Hello and welcome back to Inside the Asperger Studios. Today on the show, what do you get when you take someone who's not only a speaker, an author, a consultant, and a founder of a non-for-profit? You get my next guest, that's who. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Sarah Bradford. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to learn more about you and while well, you'll learn more about me. <laughs> right, let's start off with a question I ask everybody on the show. So tell me about yourself. Yeah, I am a mother of two, first off, wife, Um. I am late diagnosed autistic. I am a children's book author, a podcaster myself, as you can see the SG Child show. And I am doing events with autistics and trying to just celebrate and elevate voices all, all over the globe. All right. So when were you diagnosed? Uh, two years ago at 45. So I'm not, not too afraid to show my age there. <laughs> um, it was an interesting process. My son had been diagnosed over a decade ago. Um, and then within about six years from that, my husband next came my daughter. And then through kind of that process and looking at each individual and how I understood them, how I could accommodate them properly, I kind of searched within myself and thought, hmm, I wonder how, you know, everyone says typical versus non-typical, but where do I really stand if I'm on the, on this side of the fence mostly? And so, um, I would joke with my husband, like, well, where do I belong on the spectrum? Like, what's my place supposed to be? And so I went and got, um, got tested and it was really relieving and almost like this, brought together our family which was already so close as it was but then it just even with me and my husband really brought us closer together um it was a neat experience no i mean that's funny you mentioned that your kids then you because that's like a lot of my guests who get uh get diagnosed later i had a guest who was adhd but his wife was autistic and his daughter was autistic and then he said he decided to get tested and turns out he was autistic and it's just like this sense of camaraderie and this sense of togetherness and belonging that i think um individuals often have a problem finding in their life and not that i hadn't already found this beautiful relationship of almost 20 years and children and it was everything was great but understanding the fact that we could kind of we were evolving together in a different way was mm -hmm. new and exciting and gave me a kind of a fresh perspective especially as a podcaster to look at it like listen differently put a different perspective on things um and I'm excited about 
shifting the world's perspective on that as well. So what is a regular day like for you? I'm stay at home mom. So (laughs) that's number one. I mean, I have, you know, great profile pictures from a photo shoot that I won at a networking event. (laughs) But other than that, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, you're not always the pictures that are displayed on social media. No, I'm just a mom at home. Um, My son is 13. He has been homeschooled for the past six years. Um, He is profoundly gifted, but also extremely delayed in global developmental delays and some of his um social abilities and even speech abilities so we're working on things all the time and and with that comes a sense of like who can i become when i you know don't have the careers i used to have and don't um, follow those paths anymore like what other kind of path can i create for myself that helps me bring value to myself, my family. And it's turned much bigger than I ever expected it to be. So when did you found your your non-for-profit? Well, uh, the nonprofit isn't, I'm still in the the filing process. So that's exciting, but um, it will be starting up, you know, in 2024. It's called the uh, well, no, I haven't even unveiled it yet, so, <laughs> but it'll be called SJ Child's Global Network. And what I'm envisioning to do is bringing um, resources and training for employment programs through community colleges, um, you know, some of the larger like IT companies or aviation programs, things like that to um to programs at Home Depot or, um, you know, your local, there's so many different kind of ideas, I suppose you could say, or trades and, um, that we want to help provide our local community in Salt Lake City, Utah, so that our son only, you know, he's 13 now, but that's not far away from the employment age and, I want him to have a chance at having a successful and meaningful life himself. And I I don't think at this point he understands that he's in the basement on, you know, in his room or whatever. Um, as a bad thing. I don't, it's not a bad thing, but I want him to have more than that. And I he has this abilities that are beyond any human I've ever known. And I don't want those to go just overlooked and unseen. And I want the world and himself to be able to have a chance to share that. I mean, this is why I'm such a big proponent on stepping outside of your comfort zone. Because like I said in my in my writing for my book and even talking with guests that the biggest thing is if we don't step outside of that comfort zone, the world will pass you by. Your parents will be gone. And when you look back at your life, it's going to be, why didn't I do anything with it? And the way I, the way I've always said it is look at your life, like a tapestry, every little thing you do, add something to it. If you don't do anything, it's just going to be blank. And I think that when you don't have 
passions. You know, I, I, I like that you and I can really uh, bond and resonate on having guests and learning. Mm-hmm. You learn so much when you speak to other people and you learn from their personal exper- experiences and their stories. And sometimes their sentences just stick in your mind forever. And one thing that one of my guests said was follow the tingle inside, follow that nerve. When you just feel full of goosebumps, follow mm-hmm. that. That is like your really where you can find passion and find excitement mm-hmm. for what you do. One of my guests turned up, came, became one of my good friends. And he said, do something. If you can't find a job, do something that you love and keep doing it until someone approaches you to do what you love. Yeah. And especially um, there's so much in social media, so many opportunities to be seen and to be able to show up in your own unique way in the world, however that might look. Um, You know, when I started writing children's books and I had the desire to really teach my children about one another. And then it was like, teach the neighbor kids about my kids, but maybe I'll teach their class about my kids. Okay. Well, maybe I should go to Amazon and put these up, you know, and teach the world about my kids and their kids and so on and so forth. And I think that it, we draw our, um, our legacies from following those passions and, it's turned into just something so meaningful and valuable that I can share with thousands. That's so true. Um, when, speaking of podcast, when did you start yours? Uh, two years ago in March. So it's been uh, two and a half years, I suppose now. And oh my gosh, I just, when I look back and think like, how have I completed two? about 260 interviews in that time frame. Um, I get a little overzealous when I jump into projects and and am an overdoer of things sometimes. Uh, but with that also, I think puts me a step above for success over people who just take it one episode at a time. Like I had 25 episodes banked in my you know my thing now I'm still still putting them out which probably is more frustrating for the guests to get their episodes but um for the most part the uh the ability to hear from my listeners and from my audience that it has made a difference that it is something that they look forward to that you know, the woman who gets up and goes jogging and puts her earphones in and listens to the SG child show, like what, how did that even happen? You know, sometimes I am astounded at the, um, amazing stories and especially, you know, from parents or siblings who reach out and just say, thank you for helping me look at things in a more positive way for the individual that I love. Um, I'm always so happy to hear those things. I mean, tell me about it. I mean, you learn so much from our own, from our guests. I mean, you, and we learn not just from our guests, but we gain from our guests as well. Meaning for those of us who are autistic and have trouble with socialization, it teaches us how to socialize. We learn how to talk. We learn how to ask the right questions. We learn how to be a listener. 
popular guest. I mean, I've had so many guests all tell me that I'm a great interviewer, that I, and as I'm asking questions, I, that I always hear, that's a good question. And that means so yeah, much. I mean, validate. It validates you. So yeah. much, doesn't it? And then when you start getting feedback on your shows, I don't get many feedbacks on the audio, but on the YouTube end, when I put up my videos, it's like, oh my God. There's nothing but positive comments. And it feel that. good. Yeah. I think it's opposite of mine. I think I've gotten more in my audio than less on my video. Um, and maybe I'm just looking, comparing myself to my brilliant, you know, husband and kids who have like 5,000 subscribers. And I'm like, go hunt 230, you know, kind like of me. a thing. I'm trying to cheer well, myself on like, over here. You're like me. I mean, I have like 15 audio, like 200 and some odd video. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. And the audio for me has gone amazing. I think I'm almost at about 15,000 downloads so far. Oh, um, what the heck? How, how did you... that many people listen to me talk to someone, I mean, right? You're better than me. I'm only at like, well, you've probably started before me. I'm only yeah, at, probably just been up and running. What am I at? I'm at 5,000 downloads. 5,000 yeah. downloads. It's amazing. If, you know, just, I'm at 15,000, I think. I'm not sure what I'm crazy. at, but it just blows your mind. The number of people that it doesn't yeah. matter how long they listen to the show. It just matters that they hit the play button. Yep, exactly. Okay. Isn't that the truth? And I went to my first conference and it's just the amount of people when they ask me what I do and I say, oh, I am like the only autism, I am a autism and ADHD podcaster. And you're like, oh, good for you. You're you're putting out the right message and you should be so proud of yourself. And I was like the only one yeah. there in that topic. It's usually the case. I completely agree with you. When I join a lot of groups, a lot of networking groups or business groups, I it's generally, yeah, sorry, I have a little bit of yelling going on out in the hallway, uh, but it's usually the same thing is that people are like, oh my gosh, really a podcast about autism? And then I tell them, yeah, and I, you know, was diagnosed just a couple of years ago and people are always oh. like, what? I've, so it's it's an interesting dynamic to to have. I've been on that same thing. I was diagnosed officially in my fifties, and it's like people actually want to listen to me, and it just blows your mind. Yeah, sorry, I was trying to diffuse something while you were no talking there, <laughs> as quietly as possible. <laughs> um, but it. You know, when I started podcasting, I was going on for the books and like bringing my children's books on and talking about them. But I was so nervous, obviously, to be on camera, to, you know, speak, to speak and, and just do all of that, even though I had this desire to to do that. But what I did find was something I didn't expect to find. And that was the um, you know, ponytail sweatpants mom that had been taking in too many episodes of Love Island for too many hours a day was finally feeling like 
okay, I like this. I like to get up. I like to get ready. I like to feel good about myself. And I found like this new self-love, a new Sarah-ness about me that helped um, really propel me forward into knowing that this was where I was supposed to be. Do you remember who your first guest was? My first guest, I had a beta episode and then I had my very first episode. And so the beta episode was an author um, that writes children's books about a little dog named Rambi Boo. <laughs> and my first like kind of official episode is a cyberbullying expert who is this amazing um, just kind of fighting for our, our adolescents and our kids and all that's right in, in that era, uh, Nancy Willard. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, those were amazing times. I've had Nancy back on the show, in fact, to kind of give updated information. And I like to give my listeners as much, you know, new <laughs> raw information as possible. I think that's the best way to all do right. it. Well, this, this question is for Michelle and she wants to know, she says, you are a speaker, an author, a non-for-profit founder, and a consultant. How do you find time to do all these things and be a mom and a wife? Uh, you know, I'm really lucky. The wife part comes super easy. Let me tell you that. My husband and I are best friends. We look forward to seeing each other every day. So I think that is like I wake up and I want to do nice things for him and him the same for me. So it makes our relationship really, really seamlessly easy. Of course, we're married. We've have marriage, whatever, but like never once have we ever like even thought about or uttered the word divorce or anything of the sort. It has been just this relationship of love and loyalty, honesty, and just it's it's incredible. I'm so lucky to have him. So I think that that makes that part very easy. Um, I always wanted to be a mom ever since I can ever remember. I was an only child of divorced parents who lived in opposite states from one another. And there is nothing I could ever wanted more than to have complete like, you know, oneness or completeness family is <laughs> something that I felt like I was a part of and not just on my own. So that is, is where all those fires burn. And then that actually fuels the passion and the fire for all of these other things that I do. And even though it sounds like so much, I'm literally doing them out of my home office. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sitting at home <laughs> as you could have heard, not heard my son yelling in the, in the hallway. And it's just, um, it's just a trial and error kind of thing. And I find, and I even look back in my life right now in this moment, I've, I always want to reach for more. I'm always wanting to take the next step. And I don't know if that's my ADHD, <laughs> you know, wanting to restart and restart and restart. But I have this passion for just wanting things that are going well to grow bigger and bigger. So I'm hoping that's what's happening here. Right. What is your advice for moms who may have not sandwiched, uh, sandwiched generation parents with older parents and children also managing neurodiversity symptoms and challenges? You know, I think that 
right now, especially two things come to mind. Remembering that all behavior is communication, no matter whether your child is neurodivergent or not. Like we can gain a lot by listening and watching carefully with our hearts and our intentions rather than expecting or having this sense of control or um, whatever that fear parenting thing looks like. I think that we have to respect the new era of children and adolescents that are, are coming to our world and our society because they are exposed to a million times more faster, you know, everything than we could have ever imagined. And I truly believe that our brains literally had to evolve to the ever sped up conditions of our lifestyles. Um, And with that are some of our most brilliant minds coming about today. Uh, And I think that we need to just as parents, like I said, go back to um, one of my very favorite books. And I think it's good for all humans. I don't think it's just related. I mean, it's just related to autism. I shouldn't preface it that way, but I think it's applicable. I think if you, if you just listen to it, it's applicable and that's uniquely human by Dr. Barry Prezant. And it really helped me. I think I was already doing that as a parent and, and viewing my child, my circumstances, all of that in that same breath and light. So it helped me to just feel validated. And I was like, yes, I'm doing, this is right. This is, you know, this doctor's been doing this and I have been doing it, you know, kind of this upstanding thing. Um, but I preface it to everyone, to every parent. And I think it just gives you really uh, a great understanding of how sensitive, delicate, and um, like our children and the minds and the communication levels that we have to be aware of these days. What is your advice for combating or bouncing back from burnout? Hmm. Self-care is super important, whether you are the child that needs it or the parent. I think that it's, I'm learning more as I mature and get older, the more, the importance of being calmer and more grounded. And I think that when I, had to start teaching my young four-year-old at the time breathing exercises for him not to hurt himself. It really made the whole family kind of embrace it. You know, we'll just all take this time to be calm and to be really gentle and settled. And I don't know if it helps, but we have classical music running 24 hours a day in our home. And it's just like you go back, you go by one room and it's soothing and it's soft. And it's even when it's Halloween time, it's exciting or whatever, you know, it it just is this, um, I guess, be aware of the energy that you are putting out because it comes back to you, whether it is you being good and it coming back to you good or vice versa um, on that. So it's, it's, we have to be aware of those things. All right. What are your favorite self-care practices? Um, 
I think that they've morphed and changed over the years. I used to really love like walking or spending time with my dog. But sometimes now it's as simple as, and I know this may be because I'm a stay at home mom, but sometimes even as like doing the dishes where I'm just by myself, my hands are in the warm water. I'm just like watching a show that I like, and I'm just disconnected from all of the things I have to do and what's next. And I'm just there like in the moment doing it. I think that that's important. I think that for women, it's important to also listen to yourself and your intuition and just take a day to lay in bed or to sit on the couch and not worry about all of the, the matters of the things. Because I think when we, like you said, when we go into burnout, we not only affect it, it doesn't only affect us, but it affects others and those close to us. And that is something we're trying to learn as parents of two autists ourselves. How do we create space for them in their time of burnout or masking after our daughter's masked, you know, for 24 hours and she's just done doing things? Well, our new thing is that we've kind of learned listening from others, um, letting her sit in the car by herself, listening to her music, just in her own space of complete autonomy and privacy. And I think it's really important that we teach our kids that they should take that time for themselves, but also take it for ourselves so that they can see us doing that and model that good behavior. All right. What advice what is your advice for late diagnosed adults looking to figure out how to manage your loves in the more sustainable way? That's, that's a tricky and very good question. <laughs> um, I think that for me personally, it came down to communication and before I met my husband, now my communication skills were not good. And it had come from a lifetime of being in a family who yelled at each other and, you know, he got grounded or smacked in the face or all of these things that happened. And I knew that wasn't something I ever wanted to carry on with myself or with a family, but like, how do you even start to teach yourself that kind of trickiness to, to come down? And so I think that really, um, looking at, I, myself, I'm, I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. So I believe in making a positive space for someone to come into. So if you're single and you have a closet full of baseball cards and, you know, old clothes and everything. Well, where is somebody going to fit into your life? Mm -hmm. But if you like mentally make space for someone, you're again, drawing that energy back to you to possibly somehow, I, you know, might sound a little mystical, but I think that it, it also provides you kind of um, once you start doing actions to move in a specific direction, life usually takes you in that direction. All right. Now we're going to change your questions a little bit. 
What do you think of the word neurodistinct over neurodivergent? Um, I think it's language is super tricky because I think we want to, as you and I especially, want to be completely respectful. Mm -hmm. And my intent is to have like love and respect and inclusion for everyone. I understand that my logical brain says every brain is different. Every human's different. That makes us all neurodiverse, um, neurodistinct. Maybe I'm not quite sure that I how I would use it. <laughs> I don't, I've never used that pairing before. Um, but I think that learning about what brings us together instead of what separates us is kind of our ultimate goal in humanity now i want to hit on a very kind of sore topic that's kind of split the autism community and that is what are, what are your feelings on the word asperger's because i know there are those who say who i feel the younger generation who have been taught that it's been labeled as a bad word because of the origins but then there are those of us the older generation who say hey we were diagnosed with this word we live this is what we go by what are your feelings yeah. on that i when before it came out of the dsm that's how i recognized my husband was on the spectrum i came to him and said you totally have asperger's like i completely understand now you've got a, a like look at it this way and tell me what you think. And, you know, it took a little bit and he had some up and downs, but ultimately he was like, oh my gosh, thank you. This is exactly what this means to me. And for our son, like I said, he's he's twice exceptional or profoundly gifted and, and extremely challenged. So for us, I think it really gave meaning and like a little bit more fluidity to understand that they both had autism, yet they were, one was autistic and one was, you know, at Asperger's. And I think that it really gave this better understanding of their levels of abilities and capabilities, at least in my family. And I'm just speaking from my husband and my son. I can clearly see they have two different distinct ways of living, yet my husband can't do calculus and physics. <laughs> he can't speak 133 languages. All you know, then again, my son can't have human conversation. <laughs> Not that it's, you know, he, he's still working I mean, on that. And so it's this like pull and and push and pull and push and pull. But I think that ultimately it gave better understanding of somebody who was um had more challenges and somebody who had less. All right. Now, what podcast do you recommend other than your own my audience listen to? Um, I would definitely say the Uniquely Human podcast is also wonderful. I mean, so many of them are really great. Like um, Autism Live with Shannon Penrod is fantastic, especially for parent interaction and she'll really get down you know and get 
<laughs> her elbows dirty and just help you through whatever you need. And um, she's a fantastic resource. There's, um, gosh, the Neurodiversity Podcast with Emily Morris, I believe is her name. Um, she does a lot of talk about Twice Exceptional for me is very important that I understand how to help my son in his future. I need their tips and tricks and like, how do I help this twice exceptional kiddo? And um, yeah, you know, I really love um, like love on the spectrum. (laughs) I mean, for Netflix and everything, I think that some of it, some people don't love it. I love dating shows. So for me, it was just like, I loved it. And I have made some great friends with some of the, the cast That's members. And that I think you bring that, that up. I had yeah. auditioned for it twice. Really? My, yeah, my life oh. coach is in contact with their casting people and the directors and all that. And I auditioned and I guess both both times I wasn't considered autistic enough. Oh, dang it. And I think that's something uh, they're not doing well. Diversity. The diverseness of it. Yeah. Yeah. They look more on the lower end of it, the middle to the lower. They don't want people who are well up, who can converse, who are almost normal, but still have the autistic traits. Yeah. Basically, if you don't need your parents or your support from your guardian, then yeah, that is. And it's true. And I think that... both ways like I love that they're giving everybody that still needs support at home like that chance to be able to to do something like that incredible but it is it there does need to be better representation um of what autism looks like and you know that's why I've been doing the events that I've been doing all right and finally where can people find out more about you Ah, uh, you can Google SJ Childs. That's the easiest way. Or you can jump over to the SJ Childs show, sjchilds.org, or you can find me on all of the uh, platforms except for X. I don't use that often. So and that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Sarah Bradford, and I'll see you in the next one. See you there. Freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music, ride the wave, but keep the message. Question this dimension is still the Deception, every entrance have good intentions, no exceptions, and leave the rest up to the heavens. Your only plan should be to seek and become yourself. Cause more than half, would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else? I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. I don't cry to 
for applause. I don't walk around in the traps. While you closing in the walls, I'll be using out the cracks. Sit and relax, don't breathe. These are the facts. Supposedly, stutters. Living a mask, suckers. Keep moving along to the beat. Brainwash, rinse and repeat. Keep pulling about with the sheep. I'll go. Got to leave. Know what I mean? Probably not. Honesty shocks. It's fine. The only box I'll ever fit in is the one that I die. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit Wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. 